Welcome to the Grow People Podcast. Welcome. That is that is Pastor Jason, lead pastor of Revolution Church. My name is David Stein. That is David Stein, campus right pastor. Right here, campus pastor at our Canton location. The purpose of the Grow People Podcast is to help grow people. We did that in unison. We did. That was good. Well, after, I don't know, 70 episodes, we should have. <laughs> Brian, do you know what episode we're on? Nope. We nope. are on 31. We are? I don't know. I just made it up. No, I, we've been doing it for two years. Have we been doing it for two years? Um, what is this? Twenty three. I, I I have no idea. Twenty. I don't know. We were ju- we were just sitting in the office talking about the fact that it's been three years. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Since two weeks to flatten the curve. <laughs> flatten the curve. <laughs> uh, two weeks to slow the spread. Yep. Hold on, I can tell you. I'm looking it up. It is episode this is episode 38 okay all right yeah what did i say did i say 37 you said 31 you, you said 31 yeah i didn't say a word <laughs> I, I, I have no idea where we are today yeah episode alone. 38 yeah you do have a habit of losing things i do misplacing things i do that's why i have a tile um it, <laughs> on, on, on everything i have a tile on my remarkable i have a tile on my wallet i have a tile on my keys yeah now so, you just need a tile on your brain i do yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's gone. Yeah, <laughs> with the exception of seventies baseball trivia. That is very true. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. Olympic hundred meter dash winners. Oh, you got that one too. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. Olymp- Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you were a baseball player, but you weren't a runner, were you? Well, the Olympics that that was a big deal when I was growing up. Yeah, because and there was. There and, were only the, three channels. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there there wasn't anything else to watch when you were growing up during the Greek. Parthenon yeah. era. Yeah. <laughs> the decathlon, decathlon was my favorite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, from 1964 to 1984. Yeah. I can tell you any 100 meter dash winner. Why? But why that I, sport? I don't know. Interesting. It's bizarre. It is bizarre. Pick a year. Yeah. Pick a, pick a year. Well, they only happen every four. They only happen every four. So when, when 72, did it happen so, in that? So, so 1972, okay. Munich. Valerie Bortsov from Russia. <laughs> What's amazing about that is not only that you remembered that, but you can say a Russian name much clearer than you can say <laughs> <laughs> a lot of English names. <laughs> and, and the and the great the great male gymnast from that year was Nikolai Andrianov. Oh, uh, see. <laughs> And Olga Corbett, of course, uh, was, yeah. was the female gymnast. I have no idea. Okay. Uh, you could just be making up words and I'm be like, sure. All right. Well, the first time I went to uh, another church in California after I got saved, and it was John MacArthur's church, mm-hmm. I leaned over to the guy next to me. I said, he's making up these words, right? Because I, <laughs> I had just gotten saved. So I, I didn't know what sanctification, justification, yeah. any uh, post-modernity. And yeah. not, I didn't know any of that. I was like, he's making these words up. <laughs> <laughs> all right purpose of the grow people podcast is to grow people here we are post easter mm-hmm. um it is it is the third anniversary of of covid yes that is true and i just heard that the national emergency has been it declared just ended over. this week okay yeah even though it ended in georgia back back in 2020 <laughs> yeah <laughs> one of my professors at college when i started my doctorate um there's two of us from georgia in my class and he was like 
welcome to the guys, you know, from Georgia who are not participating in this pandemic. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's, yeah, that's we did for a few, for a while, you know. a few weeks. Yeah. Well, a I few think months. We, I think we were in restaurants by May. Uh, I don't know if it was by May, but definitely, I mean, that summer, I remember that summer when we took a vacation, we went to Florida, um, as most Georgia people do. And yeah, we weren't wearing masks and, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, it was definitely, so from March to, I mean, some friends of mine in churches went back in May mm-hmm. of that year. We didn't go back until, well, we tried to go back in July, July, but then we had a COVID outbreak on our staff. So that got delayed a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely by that fall, like yeah. we were in schools and, you know that I, re- I remember the end of 2021, beginning of 2022, when my brother would call me from California. We're outside at a restaurant. I said, "Can you go in yet?" No, but we're outside at one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, crazy times. It is crazy. It's crazy to think that. Yeah, three years ago. If in some ways it feels like 30 years ago, because it was like so drawn out. But then some day, some ways it feels like it was not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was weird. It's hard to judge time by it. It's hard to judge time at all. Yeah. Did, did did I hear this correctly in one of our meetings? Next year's the twentieth anniversary of the church. Next year. Yeah. August twenty twenty four will be our twenty year anniversary. Wow. Yeah. Church was planted in August of oh four. So That's crazy. That's nuts. Twenty years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this building just had its ten year anniversary. Yeah, we moved into this building in um January of twenty thirteen. Yeah, because somebody asked me if we were having a, a a big bash for the tenth anniversary of the building, and I said, "No, we're planning something bigger." Yeah, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say we celebrate a building; <laughs> we celebrate the body. Yes, you know it's different. Uh, but yeah, even that is crazy. We've been in this in our Canton location for ten years, mm. which is nuts. Because again, it doesn't. I still call it the new building. Yeah, you know. Um, well, it's kept extremely well. And uh, that's good stewardship on the part of, uh, you know, Hernan, who is our director of facilities. We try. And, you know, when other churches are building a building, they'll come here and they'll, they'll look to see, you know, what works, what doesn't work. Yeah. And uh, they're shocked when we tell them it's nine, 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. When I remember when we built this, it was funny because we were the craziest part of the story of that whole story was I got here in January of 2010 Mm -hmm. and then in October of that same year. So 10 months later, we were doing a giving initiative. I mean, I hadn't even been here for a year and we were already trying to raise money to build a building, which they would say for a new pastor coming into an existing church. That's probably not a great, you don't ever do that. Yeah, no, no. Normally they say you need to be there at least two or three years to build trust with people Mm -hmm. and, so I used to tell people, I feel like God gave me two years worth of credibility in the first six months, mm. you know, because um, it was just a crazy situation and time. And um, so, yeah, the when we were raising money for that, one of the things I told our church was, listen, we're not trying to build, we're just building a box. Like, we're not trying to build this, mm-hmm. like, the church building isn't our home. That's right. You know, isn't isn't the church, I should say. Um so yeah, we were trying to be very strategic in let's just build a box and with some rooms inside <laughs> of it. 
Uh, and it's served us well. I mean, there's definitely some things about it I change now. I mean, we're out of space again, mm-hmm. you know, which is a great problem to have. Um, trying to meet, you know, we're moving stuff around all the time. And so it's definitely a versatile space for us and has been great. But yeah, it's crazy to think we've been here 10 years mm-hmm. um, in this space. Yeah. Out of space on Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we're recording this on Wednesday morning after Easter. Uh, you have recovered. Well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because, you know, yeah, we had Thursday night, we had Saturday night, and then three Sunday mornings. So I preached twice as much as I normally would. You know, normally on a weekend, it's three times, which that is my, um, you know, I've worked with our board over the years. That is my, I won't preach more than three times on a weekend, which on a normal a, weekend. A good rhythm. Yeah. Cause I just can't. Uh, which is one of the reasons why the weekend before Easter, we showed video at both locations, mm-hmm. record live to give me, give me a break, you know, my voice and my energy. Uh, but Saturday night, I was super tired because I don't normally preach on Saturday nights. And then Sunday, I was tired. But Monday, like you and several other people text me on Monday, you know, midday, like, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> so I felt pretty good on Monday. Um, actually worked outside because it was pretty. But then Tuesday morning. Mm. it hit me. Yeah. Um, and so I felt like twice as tired on, I wasn't as tired on Monday, but then I was twice as tired on Tuesday. I don't know why that is. Maybe some doctor that goes to our church can tell me what that has to do with my hormones and energy levels or whatever. But now that it's Wednesday, yeah, I feel finally more rested. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I get that. I, now when, when I left probably around one thirty on Sunday afternoon, and I was, I was driving home, um, and Leanna said, are you tired? I said, no, I, I, I could go another service. <laughs> I could. And uh, got home. We went to a friend's house, um, had dinner there early, Yeah. came home, turned on the Masters, and as soon as I heard Jim Nance's first, yeah. first words. <laughs> then you were done. I, I was done. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but I think you're right. Mon- Monday felt pretty good. Yesterday we should have given the staff two days off. Yeah. And a couple of our staff production teams and stuff did take two days off because they, they had to work mm-hmm. um, last week more, you know, changing stages and oh, they, they were, were up till three o'clock oh, yeah. in the morning, multiple, multiple late nights. So grateful for every, every one of them. But yeah, it was like, um, who knows, you know, again, I don't know the psychology or physiologically what that means, but yeah, I did that's what I tell people now I can still do like preaching six times. I can still do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just takes longer to recover mm. than it used to. And so I think that was the difference this year was it just took longer to recover from that long weekend. Um, but it was an incredible Easter. Yeah. Incredible. And you know, so many incredible stories uh, normally on this podcast we're we're talking about theology. Mm-hmm. We're talking about uh, the messages, and, and I read this and I thought it was so good. And we actually took a page out of this uh, at our all staff meeting yesterday. Not 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 intentional, other than um, it's always good to stop mm-hmm. and and listen to what God is doing. And Pastor Chad asked the staff yesterday, you know, what's God doing in your life? And then last night I read this from J.I. Packer, or as Leanna would say on the radio, 
J.I. Let's J.I. unpack this. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> She's so witty. <laughs> uh, when Christians meet, they talk to each other about their Christian work and Christian interests, their Christian acquaintances, the state of the churches, and the problems of theology. But rarely do they talk of their daily experience of God. Mm. J.I. Packer is a, a, a modern-day theologian. I think well, he, he was. He's passed I, away I think now. he passed yeah. away, yeah. Modern Christian books and magazines contain much about Christian doctrine, Christian standards, problems of Christian conduct, techniques of Christian service, but little about the inner realities of fellowship with God. Mm. Our sermons contain much sound doctrine, but little relation to the converse between the soul and the Savior. Mm. He wrote this 30 years ago. Yeah. And if you... If you're on Twitter, if you're on social media, if you listen to podcasts, even even this podcast, um, you're going to get some great stuff. Yeah, um, hopefully. But I, I think it's so important to talk about what God's doing in our lives. Mm-hmm. So yesterday we had a chance to say, "Hey, this is what God was saying to us uh, individually." So here we are. Your uh, have you completed a full year of your doctorate program? Yeah, this is my third semester. Okay. And so I'll, I'll, my final project's due at the end of this month, and mm-hmm. then I'll be a year and a half done. 13th year as lead pastor of Revolution Church, mm-hmm. going into the 20th year mm-hmm. of the church, uh, coming out of what was a, a tremendous Easter. I mean, after three years of COVID, yeah. not knowing. You know, what is the church ever going to look like? Yeah. And there were over 6,000 people in our locations. Yeah, wasn't in our largest attendance ever, I think. Yeah. Because it was like, the way we count now, two campuses and online, it was like 6,700, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, which yeah. is which is remarkable. Yeah, it was, it was actually 700 more, almost 700 more than last year uh, at Easter. But the most amazing thing about that is that was all in person. Like online was actually less this year than last mm-hmm. year, but in person was more mm-hmm. and almost 700 more Yeah, uh, between the two campuses. Yeah. So num- number one, thank you. If you normally went on Sunday, if you normally gather as the church on Sunday at nine 30 and 11 15. Yeah. And you know, at both campuses, we mm-hmm. were asking for a month. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, come to another gathering. Come to another gathering. You did that. Yes. So we had, Lots of folks spread out yeah. uh, over the uh, course of the six gatherings here in Canton and the three gatherings in Jasper. Um, it rained on Saturday. I don't, I don't know if you yeah. noticed that. Yeah, we're still full. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was spring break. Yeah, and still packed. So that was so encouraging. And the masters. I and, know there was a couple people in our church that were at the masters. Yeah. that watched online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we. I wonder how they did that because they don't allow phones at the Masters. So they told you they were watching online at, at the Masters? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know how many people were saved. There were 31 here in Canton. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was at least 10 in Jasper. Thir- 13 yeah. in Jasper. So, yeah. Um, 19 kids here. Mm-hmm. 13 kids in Jasper. Yeah. One person online. We had people saved in our overflow areas mm. at the Canton campus. And they're all stories. Yeah. There's 6,700 stories. Yeah. I mean, we are shepherds. We count sheep. Yeah. It's important for us to know so we can prepare uh, for our gatherings. But they're all different stories. But I want to start out with your story. What, what's God doing in your life right now? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I love that quote that you shared from, I mean, A, I love J.I. Packer. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, he's just one of those guys that. Jim Packer. Yeah, yeah. I'm Jim. (laughs) J.I. I'm always like, maybe one day I can get to like initial status, you know. (laughs) Maybe one day I can be R.J. Curtis, you know. Um, For those that don't know, my first name is Richard. Um, Anything J.I. says, I'm like, yes, I agree with. But what's profound about that statement is, I mean, here's a guy who is a theologian. I mean, he talks about God. Um, but the best way to think about that is a, in a relational sense. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, this is the way I think about it, which I'll get to your answering your question, is so often when it comes to God, we can think about him in such unrelational ways, like even how we pray or praying and reading our Bible. We can see it as things to do instead of a person to know. Mm. And the best way to think about that, especially if you're married, it's very easy. You know, I can know a lot about my wife or I can know a lot about you. You know, I can know a lot of information about you. Um, and I can talk about my wife or my kids. I can, I can know just like this. You know a lot about baseball. You know a lot about apparently 100 meter dashes in Olympic history for two decades. 1976, yeah. <laughs> Hazley Crawford from Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, Leanna is shaking her head currently right now. Definitely, um, she has you, to live with it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you can know a lot about someone, but not know them. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the most dangerous things about being a Christian and also being a Christian leader, you know, pastor, minister, someone who serves in the church, whatever, because we live in this culture and that's kind of what J.I. is saying. We live in this Christian subculture, you know, so we can talk about anything Christian, our version of Christian politics or Christian reality or Christian relationships. I mean, whatever Christian music, and again, all that is good and right. Nothing's wrong with it. The, but the danger is we can we can just like hover around God all the time, but never know God, never talk about God, uh, or never, sorry, never talked to God. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that is probably, to answer your question, um, one of the things I think that God is doing in my own life, it's quite intriguing to me that you asked this or even thought about it. I think God is showing me that that is the biggest danger of my life, of my own personal life is for example, I study the Bible every week. Um, cause I'm paid to, mm. you know, but just this morning, um, you know, before we worked out, cause we normally work out together at the same place. I woke up this morning early. I had my alarm set for six 30. It went off at six, which I was upset about. <laughs> Uh, and so I went ahead and got up, made coffee, sat in my chair and opened my Bible and read. Um, but that's not, that doesn't happen every day. Um, but as I, and I'm so tempted just like anybody else to open up my phone and read other things. And, and there is, I mean, there is a spiritual warfare component, like, I could feel it in me, like, don't do this, don't do this, my flesh, you know. But I thought, no, I want to read my Bible because I love God. 
Like, I want to meet with God right now. I want to talk to God right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want God to talk to me. I want to hear from somebody I love. I want to sit down and spend time with him. I, I want to hear from somebody I love. I, I, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let that, don't let that gloss, gloss over while you're listening to this in the car. Yeah. When you talk to God, you're, you're hearing from somebody you love. Yeah. And, and someone who loves you. Um, and so I read, which is interesting. I might, I've been thinking about preaching through first Corinthians for a while. Um, and who knows whenever we're done with John, you know, we'll do a different summer series. We're actually doing a series this summer on parables. Um, but when we, maybe in the fall, we'll, cause I feel like Corinthians is a kind of a timely book cause it was written to a group of people, the Corinthian church in a very, very, very pagan society. Mm-hmm. Very. I mean, Corinth makes Vegas look like child's play. Um, so I've been even in Easter. I preached. I had some uh, in First Corinthians fifteen. So I was just reading First Corinthians one uh, this morning and reading through that, and Paul, you know, talking to them, and, and again thinking about my sermon for this week, you know, in John twenty, um, and Paul said some things in there about the role of the Spirit and. So anyway, just again thinking. I think the thing that God is working in my life is just reminding me. In fact, I told this to one of our church planters um, two weeks ago, we had lunch and I made a comment to him. In fact, I met with two of our church planters back to back. And so Mm -hmm. I made the comment to both of them, one who's planting a church in Texas and then one who actually Chris, who spoke here Mm -hmm. for abide, both of them will come and speak this summer, which I'm super excited for our church to hear um, from them. But I made a comment to them about how in leadership, the temptation in leadership, as you grow in your leadership and our church has grown and, you know, um, I'm quote unquote more successful, um, as a pastor. But one of the things that God's really been working in my life is the role of sin, which sounds funny. Like the role of sin, um, is what humbles us. Mm-hmm. And so sin, although it is an affront to God, obviously, and I'm not condoning sin in any way, but sin is also the very thing that humbles us, that forces us to remain dependent upon God. And so I told both of them, and this, again, at what happens normally in my life, I'll say something like just this, those things. you, I didn't think of those. If you asked me to think of those things, I couldn't. But if I just say something, then I'll think. But I said a line to them. I said, man, guys, listen, never forget that as you lead your churches, you're nothing more than a sinner. Mm. You're nothing more than a sinner. Um, Mm. But then I said, at the same time, don't ever forget you're nothing less than a child of God. Amen. Um, So where I'm going with that is in my own life, I feel like God has been reminding me, Jason, listen, don't ever think more of yourself than you should. Because you're nothing more than a sinner. Mm. You're on your best day without me. You're nothing more than a sinner. Um, so therefore, how in the world could I be arrogant? Mm-hmm. You know. But then the gospel says, on the flip side, on my worst day, I'm nothing less than a child of God. Amen. And so I think it's the juxtaposition of those two truths, which the gospel is, and we say this all: is it I'm a sinner or I'm a child of God? The answer is, we all know, everybody screaming in your cars, wherever you listen to, yes. Mm-hmm. 
So it's both of those. <clears throat> and I think for us as Christians, we can focus on one or the other of those, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just a sinner and we can just beat ourselves up. But then on the flip side, we can think, Oh, I'm a child of God. And then that makes us arrogant, you know? So in my own life, I think God has been, so my answer to your question, God has just been working in my own life, those two truths to remind me that I, I have to stay dependent upon him. Like no matter, no matter how good of a sermon I preach or, you know, trying to lead our church or whatever it is that God has gifted me and called me to do. Um, I can't do any of it without him. And he doesn't want me to do any of it without him. And so therefore you have to stay in that kind of, one of my friends used to call it a humble confidence, mm. you know, where sin humbles you uh, to the point where you realize like what he loves me, like, what, yeah. like, you know, this God gave me this book to tell me, gave me his spirit to save me as a down posit, you know, as a down, down payment. I put those two words I've, together. I've heard, it I've heard it both ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just think that reality he's been working in my life and, and on my preaching break this summer, which we'll talk more about that coming up. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do some, and I haven't done this in a while for the last couple of years, uh, just cause I haven't had enough time but I'm going to take a little bit more time this summer and I'm going to go get some intentional coaching, you know, personally and then professionally just to work on um, almost really kind of getting prepared for the next 20 years mm -hmm. of ministry of our church. Um, I just feel like I need to, uh, I need to grow. I need to expand my capacity to, for God you know, again, not my capacity to lead or communicate that kind of stuff, but just my heart and mm -hmm. my capacity for God That's to so good. Um, prepare in me the work that he wants me to do for the next 20 years. And as a steward of this church, not as a pastor in this church, as a steward of this church, I am grateful for that. And if you're listening right now, that's, that's the pursuit of humility that you want in your lead pastor. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's funny. And one of my mentors that I, and I just talked to um, a couple weeks ago who just had the transition, he's in his seventies and he just transitioned out of the lead pastor role. Um, and he said, you know, people, people want, like when you're a servant leader, people applaud you for that. Um, and especially in today's culture, it, it to that point. Yeah. We all want leaders that are humble. Um, but he, he was going through something and like, he's always tried to be a servant leader, but then there was something that happened where he actually felt like he was treated like a servant, mm. um, which is not fun. And he made the line, he made the statement of, yeah, people love it when you are, when you are acting like a servant leader, he's like, and even personally, when you act like a servant leader, you actually get more praise you know, like, Oh, good job. You're so humble. But when someone actually treats you like a servant, something in you is like, Oh no, 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 don't treat me like that. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, you should treat me better. And, and where I'm going with that is that's kind of what I mean is I can never think we can never think that we're anything more than a sinner. I'm nothing more than a servant. Um, and so therefore I, I, we have to develop or allow the spirit to develop 
our heart to where, and I've said this many times, you know, but if no one else but Jesus knows my name, mm. um, which kind of is a callback now to the Easter message. Yeah, that, that was the turning point in the message for most people. Yeah, yeah. If Jesus knows my name, I'm okay. Right. You know, so therefore, but I think honestly, most of us would say, no, that's not enough. You know? Oh, oh, our flesh wants more. Yes. Our flesh wants more. Yes. And that's why it was such a significant turning point in the message uh, when, when I was sitting there Thursday night, taking notes, getting ready for the group leader guide to go out. And yeah. if you're, if you're in a group, that's, that's how it plays out Thursday night. I'm watching the message. I'm taking some notes. I'm writing some questions for the group leader guide. I send it out to the group leaders yeah. sometime over the weekend. And, and then you get to experience reaping the message, reaping the verses in the message and asking application questions in your community group. And <laughs> invariably there's a moment every Thursday night where I just shut my laptop mm. and take it in. Yeah. And I began to weep at the moment where you said, Jesus said Mary's name. Yeah. What was significant about that for me. And I know for so many people that I talk to, we have wanted to be known all our lives yeah. by the wrong people. Yeah. And, you know, growing up, um, wanting to be known. And if I was not known enough, mm -hmm. it wasn't enough in yeah. our house. Yeah. And, and that wasn't, you know, our, my parents not loving me. No, they just were, nothing was ever enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and Jesus is enough yeah. and him knowing my name. So knowing that he called my name 16 years ago yeah, and that he called all of those names in the room yeah. and watching online, mm -hmm. um, that was a significant moment to, to say, all right, I, I don't, I don't need anybody's approval. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And the wild thing, and you and I talked about this, I had, I mean, literally Thursday afternoon, I was trying to finish up the message and I kept wrestling with, do I have too many verses? Do I need to take some out? And so I was, I, I came, in fact, one, at one point in time in the message prep, I had cut out that whole section and I was going to end on verse 10 <laughs> or nine and 10 where he must rise again. And then mm -hmm. they went back to their homes. Um, but then I just couldn't leave that part out, you know, because that is so powerful and to know now why, mm -hmm. you know, and you're exactly right. And that's, that's really kind of the point that, again, that I was making earlier, which led me to say, Jesus knowing my name. Um, you know, you look at Jesus in, in his ministry. Um, at the beginning of his ministry when he was baptized, you know, and the spirit descends and the father speaks, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Mm -hmm. Well, how in the world could Jesus at, I mean, from that point on, Jesus experiences three years of simultaneously ministry success and utter failure mm. uh, because he succeeded in getting the message out, but then it led to his death. So how in the world could like two extremes, the success of Jesus's ministry, it didn't make him big headed, but the, impending failure and doom of his life didn't lead him to despair. Mm. So something kept Jesus from those two extremes. Right. Something kept him from thinking, 
he was, you know, this Messiah. I can, I mean, how did Jesus the Messiah not develop a Messiah complex? (laughs) That in and of itself is a psychological marvel. Like, how did he not do that? Right. Even though he knew he was, but he didn't walk around like that. No. Um, And so he was humble, but then he wasn't despondent. He wasn't, you know, it kept him out because he knew he had the approval of his father. His father knew his name. Um, And so I think, again, coming back full circle now to that J.F. Packer quote and everything we've been talking about, the only antidote to, you know, um, hubris, arrogance, or despondency is the fact that God knows my name. And, and yeah, you mentioned like your house and, and all of us. I mean, the the craziness of life without God is, you know, you and your parents. So you got three sinners trying to figure out how to affirm one another. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like three sinners asking the other, be God for me. Mm. You know, well, well, of course. So all of us grew, even, even people who grew up in great families, it was still dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. And so a good father and mother or a godly father and mother are going to do a good job of explaining to their children the limits of what they can provide for them. The limits of, I, I can affirm you, but, I'm, but I've got to show you who is your real father, who can affirm you. Uh, and so Lindsay and I have tried to do that with our kids. Like We try to be really faithful, stable parents to our children but at the same time showing them our failure so that they look to Jesus mm-hmm. so that our kids don't try to look to us to give them something that we never can. Right. Um, so that's kind of my point is like, that's the reality of Easter is not just that Jesus rose from the dead, but Jesus says my name and your name and calls us out to be with him. Yeah. When you said that, you know, our greatest emotional need yeah. is to be known. Yeah. And you think about it, yeah. I mean, if, if, if you frequent a coffee shop or uh, a place to get a healthy shake yeah. <laughs> and you walk in and somebody behind the counter says, Hey David, yeah. Chocolate, peanut butter, banana. Yeah. Makes you feel good. Yes. Everybody, everybody in the room knows they know me. Yes. So there, there is this, this need, yes. this emotional need. But when you take out the fleshly desire for man to know you, mm-hmm. And you place it on our heavenly Father, and and know that you know that you know that He knows. Yeah, that's that changes everything. Yeah, and, and you don't even have to. And I know you didn't mean it this way, but I thought about this as you were saying that, like the fleshly desire. You don't even have to frame that, like someone you going in and getting, you know, a protein shake or whatever, and somebody knowing your name. That in and of itself is not bad. That you want that, like. That's not sin. No, I was just comparing. No, the I, two. I, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. I know you weren't trying to say it was sin, but what I, I just when you talk about fleshly, like it's not bad to want to be known, and and it's not wrong to recognize, man, that feels good when they know me because mm-hmm. we're also made for relationships. Right. Is where I'm trying to get. The problem comes in, the sin comes in when we think that ultimate satisfaction is just being known by other humans. Mm-hmm. And the point that I was going to, the thought of is like, if it feels good and it does, I mean, again, they know now 
when someone says your name, endorphins are released in your brain mm -hmm. and it makes you happy. Well, if endorphins are released in your brain when a barista or somebody knows your name, imagine how much more joyful it is Hello. when God knows yeah. your name. Because it'd be different if I'm known by a local uh, a local pastry chef or you know somebody <laughs> like that um glazed today <laughs> yeah but if the president walks in and knows my name hmm. what does that do to my status sure. oh my gosh that person knows your name right which and again i'm not making a political statement but i'm just talking about the office sure you know if a king of a country walks if the queen elizabeth before she died you know walked in and she knew my name people are like what she knows you right you know like right. So if that's true on a human perspective, then how much more so the king of kings mm. knows my name? Yeah. The, the highest authority on heaven and earth, as Jesus said in Matthew 28, knows my name. So if Jesus, the king of kings, the creator, God, Lord, Messiah, knows my name, then it, it gives me the psychological basis to be like, you know, it's okay if that person doesn't know my name. Again, I don't have to, why would I seek to be known by a group of friends in middle school or mm -hmm. by followers yeah. on social media if God knows my name? Mm -hmm. Again, it's not wrong to be known by those people and to enjoy being known. That's not wrong. I mean, I want people to know me. I want you to know me. I want people in our church to know me. I want to know them, our staff, my family. None of that's wrong. It's only wrong when I expect them to do something for me, they can't. Hmm. That's the point. And so, I mean, just imagine Mary for the rest of her life, you know, from that point on thinking I'm okay. I've seen the Lord. He knows my name, you know? Um, well, that just changes your, and so th this whole relational component is what I'm trying to say, which again goes back to, that quote and what we've been talking about is when I sit down to study my Bible uh, or if I sit down to pray and I can think about it, I can frame my mind around it from less of I need to do this to I'm sitting down and talking to somebody that knows me, hmm. that I know, that knows me um, and wants to know me and wants me to cast my anxieties on him. He wants to know what's going on with me. Well, that will change your whole prayer life because mm -hmm. now it moves out of performance and it moves into, I'm just processing with you. I'm just processing my life with you mm -hmm. right now. Um, I'm just talking to you. I mean, you know, you and I have been friends now for years well, I don't get nervous to walk into your office and sit down and talk to you about something because right. we're friends. Right. We know each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're brothers. Mm -hmm. Well, that's how God wants it to be with us. Mm. You know, just, hey, sit down and talk to me. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk to you. I yeah. know you. I know your name. Mm -hmm. I want to affirm you. I want to help you. And, and, as, and as much as there was a spiritual battle wrestling this morning, sitting in your chair. Yeah. Once you start talking to him. Yeah. Once you recognize, hey, he loves me, I love him, mm -hmm. we're just having a conversation. Yeah, we're just talking. And and I think that's why that's one of the reasons why I take breaks in the summer. Um, and it's funny, one of the things that I try to do 
when I take a break is I try to talk a lot less, like intentionally try to talk less because I talk all the time. We're still going to have a podcast this summer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just be less of less, less Jason. Yeah. Less me talking. (laughs) Um, and just listen, mm-hmm. you know, again, because I don't ever want to think that God loves me more because I talk for him. Mm. Um, nor do I ever want to talk for God without knowing him. Right. I mean, that's very dangerous. I mean, again, we've seen the laundry list of pastors and leaders are long that have done that. And the, the most detrimental thing for my soul or anybody else's soul is to, to talk for somebody and not know them. Right. I mean, think about it. I mean, we have ambassadors in this country. If we have an ambassador, you know, the ambassador to Israel or the ambassador to the UN, mm-hmm. who's going to sit up, sit up there and represent the United States or represent the president. But they just keep talking on and on and on about something, and the president's like, I never said that. He doesn't know me. She doesn't know me. He right. doesn't know me. That is not what I meant. That is not what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, we have to spend, I think, I think honestly, and this is, you know, I'm just making this up. So this isn't like a rule of thumb. But if I'm applying the principle of James, what says, listen twice as much as you speak. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm going to speak for God, then I better listen to him twice as much. Right. That's good than what I speak for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, just people in our church, if you're going to give counsel or wisdom to somebody, make sure you've listened to God twice as long before you speak. Mm. So it's not just listen to people twice as much. Wow. It's listen to God and a personal relationship with him before you open your mouth on his behalf. Mm, that's excellent. Excellent. And a great answer to the question, what's God doing in your life? So thank, thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, so many stories uh, coming out of Easter. And of course, you, you got to see Caleb's story. Yeah, if you, amazing. If you didn't see Caleb's story, um, we're going to post all of his story online at, at some point. But come back uh, this weekend. Part two. For part two of Caleb's story. And if you have a story that you would like to share with us, please right, right on the app. There is a square on the front page of the app. If you don't have the app, download the the Revolution app, and you just click on or tap share Share your your story, story. and you can share your story with us. Yeah. And everybody has a story. Yeah, we'd love to hear that. In fact, somebody right before Easter just messaged us on Facebook her story, and it was we read it in all stuff. It was Mm -hmm. powerful. Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to hear them. So um, I got a chance to talk to... A lot of people in the lobby um, after Easter gatherings yeah. and heard many stories. Talked to a a forty year old woman uh, who grew up Catholic, mm. had been going to a Catholic church, came out in the lobby crying. Wow! She was a guest of somebody that just started coming here. Oh wow! And she had never heard the gospel presented mm. in a way that she understood, mm. and she trusted in Jesus. Wow! And so when you see somebody in the church walking around with one of those. Um, New Bibles. It's kind of maroon. It's it's a it's a which is really a problem. We should get some burnt orange ones. I'm just saying. We should. <laughs> He's wearing his UT. Oh, yeah, where my UT. Um, if you see somebody walking around with one of those new Bibles that we hand out, um, encourage them. Yeah, they just trusted Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So powerful stuff. 
go to uh, the app, get the app, uh, and click on share your story. Uh, I think that's it for today. I, I think we have uh, used up all of our. We don't. We haven't used up all of our time. But we can still. <laughs> we can still talk some more. Uh, but if you want a transcript of what we said today, just write everything down. Our producer is Brian Damaro. If you're wondering, you saw Chandler walking around with a camera this weekend, uh, but Chandler has uh, gone on to greater things. Yeah. Uh, but he is still serving here. And that's really cool. That yeah, he's still a part of our church. Yeah. He just took another job yep. in 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 the area. and uh, But yeah, still him and his wife still a part of our church mm-hmm. and serving. So Brian Damer, who's our production minister, um, is producing the show right now. Our head of doc- Media minister, I think. Is me- me- first, yeah, something media like minister? That. Okay. Are you? Can you speak on this, Brian? What is your title? Or you can't? He left. Okay. <laughs> he he only produces the first forty-four minutes. <laughs> the last the last part. There he is. Oh, yeah. Hi. What what is your title? Oh, there you go. Production and creative. We just make up titles. He just uh, Pastor Jason wanted to be media minister, so he it is. Has, you know, like, alliteration. Like there's a Sir Mix a Lot, the old rapper. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Brian is Sir Does a Lot. Sir Does. Yeah. <laughs> And and if you don't know this, Brian was in Pastor Jason's youth group in Texas. We didn't call it youth group. What'd but you call yes, it? Student students, ministry. Student ministry. Yes. Okay. I, I didn't, I, I don't know. I don't know yeah. the You didn't grow yet. up. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't, uh, you grew up Jewish, not, uh, not yeah. Protestant. Yeah. I don't even know if we had student ministry. In Probably the not. I don't know. Probably not. Um, our head of doctrine and theology is a, is a wonderful uh, young lady named uh, Thea Logan. Um, our chief evangelist uh, is Salvation. Our backsliding prevention officer um, is lukewarm, and he's got a job for life. Um, our, our translator uh, works really hard on everything is Lexi Khan, which never gets a laugh, but I think it's funny. Um, our, our lineage specialist is genealogy. Our director of Swedish witnessing is Bjorn again. Bjorn. Bjorn. Yeah. Uh, our Reformed Theology Advisor is Calvanism. Our expert on Russian eschatology is Pitoff Hell. <laughs> are really good at those Russian no, names. No relation yeah. to Valery Bortsov, Nikolai Andrianov, or Olga Corbett. Um, our Director of Holiness is Mortification. Our Staff Counselor is Les Moody. <laughs> yeah, that's that was, <laughs> our, might be my new favorite there. Our, our Giving Coordinator yeah. is Jenny, Generosity. Our Director of Tithing is Tim Percent. Our nativity coordinator, she's from France, Beth Laham. <laughs> Laham. Laham. Uh, co-pastors of Plagues, Manny Locusts, and Lance Boyles. <laughs> and and our new staff member, our Irish eschatology professor, oh. Mark O the Beast. Because you know it's Iris if you just add in O to anything. Just, just O. Mark, Mark <laughs> O the Beast. Uh, and our our final... I don't, I don't know about this. I, our, final, our final statement of, of every podcast is quite simply... Trust God and take a nap. See you next See time. You.